0: The following transmission contains unencrypted instances of explicit language. Shall we begin? Smiley is a suspicious person. You won't know who to trust. Let's begin. Welcome back, fellow spiners, to the Spies Like Us podcast. That is, of course, the podcast where we discuss the tradecraft of uh, films and television shows. In this case, it's a television show. Uh, I'm Todd. Uh, With me, as always, is my trusty buddy, Fred Kennedy. Hi, nerds. Hello. We are talking about The Recruit. Uh, This time, that was a a request from a a friend of the show. I'm blanking on the name right now. I'm a little fuzzy today. Uh, It is a 2022 television series with an eight-episode first season uh, that has been renewed for a future second season. Uh, It just came out uh, late last year. Uh, Currently on Netflix. Um, Heavily features the CIA with an interesting focus on the CIA's legal department. Uh, Something we haven't seen before. Uh, It is contemporary but fictional. Although the show's creator, co-creator did in fact work for the CIA as a lawyer. And he claims that some of the show is based on his direct experiences. More on him later. Uh, The show does... Uh, Also includes some very fantastical elements. Uh, The most fantastical uh, being, and I think sticks out kind of like a bit of a sore thumb is the uh, prototype prototype robot that's intended to function as an interrogator. Um, There are Russian agents involved in the story as well. Uh, Although from, if I remember right, if I caught it right, I think they're mostly like um, working for the Russian mafia, more so than, or oligarchs, than they are like uh, KGB-directed. Uh, um, right now, I don't remember if the FSB, remember that's what we call the KGB these days, uh, makes a direct appearance. Uh, another agency that uh, comes into play is uh, the United States CENTCOM, C-E-N-T-C-O-M. Um, that is actually more of a military agency it's one of the 11 command structures of the uh department of defense um they do maintain some of their own intelligence gathering and analytic uh activities but uh, later in the show we're going to talk about whether or not uh sitcom is uh, correctly portrayed in the show i don't spoiler alert i don't think so um the portrayal of the CIA in this show, I think this is the number one thing you would tell someone about this show. It's kind of funny. It's, it's, it's not as funny as uh, Slow Horses, but it's, it's, a, it's a dark, you'd say a dark comic, comedy, dramatic comedy. I think the first thing that you would tell someone about this show is how different, the, the unique spin it has on the CIA. Fred, could you tell us a little about how the CIA is portrayed in this show? Well, we see this rookie come
1: into a very hostile workplace where information is not shared. In fact, he's told not to share information. Everything is so compartmentalized. And that flies in the face about everything we learned or thought we learned about 9-11 to connect the proverbial dots. And I'm surprised this show, which is many years after 9-11, actually bragged about that kind of a workplace um our hero the only way he can get information is by bribing colleagues like the one woman um she only agrees to help him if he goes out with her okay and then there's another guy who's in sog sog janice ferber right who's a junkie and he's in a perpetual state of on the brink of a nervous breakdown right and the only way he'll help our hero is if he agrees to get him drugs, right? So this goes, like I say, flies in the face about what we know. And this CIA itself, if it's able to do its job to keep us all safe, it does, in fact, need to share information, not only interdepartmentally, but with the FBI, as we learned from 9-11. Uh, we get a cynical uh, lesson from Don Gilbane, who's an agent out in the field, who cynically tells him that um, working at the CIA is like a never-ending game of musical chairs. Everyone is maneuvering to figure out who will have a seat when the music stops. Easiest way to make sure you have a seat is to hamstring the guy next to you. So that's about as cynical advice as you could give someone. And as I say, it flies in the face of everything we have learned about connecting the proverbial dots.
0: I think that sums it up nicely, especially very nice quote there. Uh, yeah, it's a very cynical view of the CIA, uh, where no one's, no one's interested in help. Everyone's just trying to throw someone else under the bus before they get thrown under the bus. Um, a real rat race. Um, so, so let's talk about this, the co-creator, Adam uh, Siralski, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I'll spell it in case someone wants to Google it. It's C-I-R-A-L-S-K-Y. I'm not sure when he started working for the CIA, but he left in 1999 at age 28. Uh, And the Owen character is clearly, I think, meant to be a fictionalized version of himself. Owen being our main character, the recruit, uh, the new guy that that Fred just referenced. He was described uh, in Nina Totenberg's piece on discrimination within the CIA for NPR as a wunderkind of the National Security Establishment. Um, He was uh, such a hotshot that uh, the CIA offered him a slot in its legal honors program, and during his tenure there, he handled a variety of sensitive matters and uh, was honored with an exceptional performance award uh by the director of the central intelligence uh agency at that time being george tenet um Totenberg's piece discrimination um basically the sort of famous thing about Sorelski is that uh he sued the cia for discriminating against him for being a jew um what happened was uh but I mean apparently he was doing a great job uh President Clinton's uh counter offered him a position at the National Security Council and the CIA's counter espionage group um totally blocked that rotation uh citing cons- and in they have documents citing concerns about his Jewish roots um as a result of the lawsuit, a bunch of pretty ugly stuff came up, uh, including uh, them uh, rigging his uh, lie detector tests uh, to make sure he would fail them, and there's um, there's people uh, involved with the CEG, uh, you know, referring him to, to him as that little Jew bastard, and uh, it, it just really uh, did not look good. Um, so. Here, we're looking at a picture of a guy with maybe an axe to grind against the CIA, right, Fred? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would think. Now, when he called the lawsuit off in his public statement, he said uh, he was still, quote, proud of his service within the CIA and had a deep and abiding respect for the organization and its mission. I'm not seeing that on display in this show. So... No, maybe he's speaking
1: speaking ideally, even though... You know what he observed wasn't in the ideal, but maybe wow. he's speaking about the ideally the ideal mission of the CIA. Right, right. That's just a guess on my part.
0: So, the guy with an axe to grind, but that's not the that's not the uh, that's not the axe that he chooses to grind in this show. Instead, he portrays the CIA as just being well. Obviously, he felt like he was being backstabbed, so that is kind of fitting into uh, the theme of this show. But there's no. None of the racism um, is is occurring no. here. Although I'll say that's a show or a movie or a story I'd like to see told. I think that's I think that's a great. Yeah, um, yep. story. So the racism stuff is not explored, and also uh, the CIA is famously, from my uh, understanding, um, has always been and still is a very WASPish uh, establishment
1: um modeled after uh, um m15 and m16 we saw that with uh i mean even those guys are british but we saw the class distinctions there which is part of the reason why they couldn't detect
0: philby right, right right and um you know it seems like every other cia movie wants to show a black guy uh as the head of the cia and that's just never happened not even close there haven't even been any catholics as uh, directors of the CIA. Um, but uh, in the show, you know, the show of course is, you know, just uh, as diverse as TV is always. And you know, Hey, I'm not here to grind an ax against uh, diversity in television at all. That's not where I'm, where I'm coming at here. But in this case, realistically, the CIA is very, 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 very white. Um, but in the show, we have uh, the, uh, uh, Owen's boss, The head of um, CIA's legal administration is uh, an African-American. And there's a case agent, which is a woman of Middle Eastern uh, descent, which I think kind of just stretches the... I mean, I like to see her in a TV show. I'm not complaining. But think about that, too. There's also a
1: self-serving interest of getting more cultural folks in there. Because think about some of the countries that the CIA and M16 for that matter would like to infiltrate. Yes. You know, you're not going to send a white guy in there. Right. And I heard some of this debate um, about uh, African-American or African-British James Bond. Well, um, why not? Uh, The Brits have quite a population of African Brits. Right. And who would better infiltrate some of those modern day, countries in the middle east than a brit who's Mm dark-skinned right so you would think both m16 and the cia would have a self-serving interest of getting folks of color recruited to infiltrate into some of these countries um that they're you know they interested in intelligence definitely
0: want to recruit them as assets i'm not sure if they make it to the level of case manager uh in the modern Mm -hmm. cia and they definitely don't make it up into the into the top brass
1: right Right. which is foolish because like i say there's a there's a self-serving
0: interest you would think um with that yeah so all in all i have no I have no way of telling the audience whether or not I think this portrayal of the CIA is accurate or fair. It is fun.
1: The thing that strains credibility on my, my part is, okay, the title tells us it's a recruit or a rookie, right? Right, right. We see the rookie mistakes he makes, right? His boss points out that you never put somebody's real name next to their pseudonym on the same piece of paper. He does that. Oh, okay. He also makes a classic foolish mistake where he doesn't where he tries to use a cell phone and he has to be told you can't do that because they can be traced. Okay, so here's this guy making these honest rookie mistakes, and yet they give him all these impossible assignments that even a veteran agent would find challenging. That's the part that strains my credibility in this whole thing.
0: Indeed. Uh, But uh, I liked it. I liked the show. Skipping ahead, no, it's fun. You
1: know, you can't, you know, slice and dice it too much because it's not that kind of kind of movie. It's a fun kind of comedic spy show, you
0: know. So almost a spoof. Almost a spoof. Yeah, yeah. We'll get into the rating at the end of the show, but um, it's it's a weird mix of like a lot of really accurate stuff and some some really questionable premises. (laughs) Yeah. I want to give a shout out to the makeup department in this show. Uh, Someone I think is paying really close attention to the timeline. And like, if Owen gets like, uh, you know, uh, punched in the face in, in episode two, you're going to see that bruise still there in episode three, but it's going to be a little bit more gone in episode four. The, the wound on his finger just keeps you know, healing over time until by the end of the, uh, ch- uh, season, he's just got a little band-aid on it. Uh, I thought that was kind of cool. My last note, uh, before we get to the briefing room, start talking about the tradecraft craft of the show is, uh, I just want to, cause I don't think it happened in one of the episodes that we chose to cover. Uh, but I really love the white claw joke when, um, the bartender tries to give him a, a, a martini and, and he insists, on a white claw instead I thought that's just a nice bit of uh uh this is not james bond uh
1: humor right and in the contemporary youth that he is that would be
0: drinking something like that right, right, right. right yeah um park bench check did we have any meetings on park benches in the show
1: i don't think so nope nope no uh, parking parking underground parking garages
0: either actually we kind of did we kind of did but yeah. it, it was a spin it was a, a it was a little spin on the uh sitting in a, a underground parking garage um where instead of him meeting to discuss uh classified information with someone else or you know uh share some juicy stuff uh he's there to have like a heart to heart with his roommate about some stuff that he can't talk about. oh yeah uh, oh yeah yeah there. yeah so I that's that, right i thought that's kind of a, like a take on it mm-hmm. and um I also i think i'm gonna nominate uh as another cousin of the park bench uh being whisked into a you know dragged off the street and whisked into a limo uh to have a conversation with uh <laughs> with somebody not bob yeah yeah we had one of those scenes all right to the briefing room to the batmobile <laughs> retinal scan complete validating security clearance Clearance granted. You may now enter the briefing room. What we're doing is we're going to talk in detail about episodes one, five, and eight. So something from the beginning, the middle, and the end. My point about Owen,
1: you know, being such a rookie, but then given all these uh, difficult uh, jobs. At one point, <laughs> and I put down, as if speaking for me, not Bob, says to Nylon, how he is baffled by the amount of connection this youth has in such a short span of time. And I said, not Fred feels the same way. (laughs) (laughs) You know, he's given so much information, you know, and then here's this kid who doesn't know enough to keep a pseudonym separate from the person's real name or that a cell phone can be traced. And yet he gives the SOG guy brilliant information to clog up his potential missile controversy. Um, Maybe that was just an outsider thinking outside the box. Mm -hmm. But I thought that was a little too ingenious for a rookie to to have that kind of uh, advice.
0: Sure. Let's, Let's be clear for people who haven't seen the show. Owen is not entirely a fuck up. He's just in over his head. Uh, mm-hmm. he actually he actually is a very smart guy and and can think on his feet and perform under pressure um but the 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 comedic premise of the show is that you know he's just, just he's just in over his head uh, but he can t- he seems to talk his way out of all of this trouble
1: like when he was sent to beirut on that dangerous mission um you know he talked his way out of a they were trying to get one of these guys to give maternity money or uh, alimony or something like that. And uh, he does a real, you know, silver tongue kind of a convincing job uh, convincing this tough guy to go along with it. Um, You know, Nyland keeps sending him on these dangerous missions to retrieve Max, whether it's in Geneva or Phoenix or in prison. Right. He gives him all these missions, and then he just says, "Keep me posted." <laughs> you know, um, it's just uh, one thing after the next. Um, and then I feel that, you know, when he goes off to uh, on that first mission, um, where his two colleagues don't tell him he's got to get a proper passport or the proper protocol, and he's tortured by Don Gilbane there. I thought that was a fireable offense. He could have gotten they could have gotten him killed there. Um, well it was Yemen, I think, that he went off to do that. And Nyland didn't tell him to go. Nyland didn't because he tells him later, I did not tell you to go and do that. But uh I guess he thought he was showing
0: initiative and went off half cocked. Well I think Nyland, who's is his is his boss, um, actually does want uh, you know, his, his agents to uh take care of things and not tell him what's going on unless he needs to know. Uh, everyone everyone here doesn't want to know more than they, than they have to. Uh, so yeah, episode one. Um, okay, so our guy is Owen. His boss is Nyland. Uh, Nyland shoves Owen just on day two, day two of him working here uh, up to threaten a member of Congress against uh, who wants yeah. to uh, you know uh, reveal some CIA secrets, uh, maybe in the Senate uh, Intelligence Committee or something. Owen doesn't even know what he is, what the secrets are that he's supposed mm-hmm. to threaten this guy uh, against uh, revealing um, his coworkers, uh, Violet and Lester. They're going to be recurring characters. These are the two that are primarily uh, plotting against him, and because uh, like of it. pure pure jealousy, pure yep, yeah, pure. It- and Nyland,
1: or yeah, Nyland, kind of makes it worse because he puts him and char- Owen in charge and has those two be his, sub, you know, sub, uh, subordinates. Right. Well, um,
0: that'll, that'll come later in the in the series. Um, but yeah, def- they not they don't like that. Um, one of the things they do, they shove uh, uh, onto Owen uh, one of the crappier jobs in the office, which is to go through the gray mail file. You want to tell us what gray, yeah i like this i like this concept uh right off the
1: but bat ironically ironically that's the kind of drudge work you do give a rookie right you give him those now
0: right tell, us what, comes upon, tell, us, tell us what it is tell us what graymail is
1: okay graymail are threats that the cia constantly gets and most of them i guess are phony baloney, but He's ordered to look through them to see if there's anything uh, legitimate that should be looked into. And that's where he comes upon Max um, making a threat to expose some dirty deals. And as I say, that's the kind of grudge work a rookie should be given, Mm -hmm.
0: right? Sure. Someone's got to do it. I'm sure they get thousands of these a year. And they're going to be 99% bullshit, but someone's (laughs) going to have to read them. So so there's
1: that, right, which is something a rookie should be given. And one other thing toward the end, when Don Gilbane gives him as you would do any rookie, as we're about they're about to make that siege, when she says, Stay in the fucking car. <laughs> now he doesn't, but that's the kind of thing you tell a rookie, stay in the fucking car. Yeah.
0: yeah or yeah.
1: truck or whatever it was. Right? So I just thought those two things jumped out at me. Those are the only two things you should have given a rookie. Go through the gray mail, right? Right. And stay in the fucking car. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but uh, the the gray mail is our is our setup for the, you know, our intro intro into like the main plot of the season the plot, the yeah. Uh, yeah. Because he finds that's where it- that's where he run, runs into Max, and
1: he keeps being told that, um the information that she's given you no one should know let alone the not bob thing right unless she was what was it a side pocket or a
0: a pocket, pocket? a pocket asset yeah yeah right so yeah right maxima is indeed the the real deal uh, her threat is is not based on you know just uh made up stuff uh she really does have a lot of dirt on the cia She's the
1: real teacher in him mm-hmm. or of him. Yes. She teaches him more about the trade than, than Nylon or his two associates in that she keeps telling him everything's leverage. Right? Mm-hmm. And she, right from the start, she said, when he says, how can I trust you? And he said, only when our goals are the same. And throughout the whole story, she keeps showing through her, not only her words, but her deeds, that everything she does is leverage. And she keeps exposing the stupid or the foolish information he gives her just by talking to her. Like when he talks about, you know, who did you meet Yemen? And he says, her, he uses a pronoun. Oh, you idiot. You just told us that it was a her, right? Um, Right. Yeah. And he also... His name, right? Just basically his name gave her she he, he, she then took his name and went on social media and found all about him, right? And she keeps pointing out all these stupid mistakes. So in fact, more than Nyland or more than anybody else,
0: she's his teacher in tradecraft. Do you think do you think they should trust her? <laughs> Is one of my big questions. I don't well, think so. <laughs>
1: I no, think- and, but she kind of she kind of admits that throughout the whole movie. Like until our until our goals are the same, no. You know she's quite honest about it, right?
0: Right, yeah. I think I think she's trouble, and I think I think as the story goes into season two, we're gonna we're gonna eventually decide it was probably just a well, good idea. <laughs> well, what what complicates things
1: is when she starts and uh, getting ahead of myself, maybe a little bit here, but Go when she it. starts to fall in love with him. You know, that like in most spy stories, you know, mm-hmm. when she starts to fall in love with him, that sort of complicates things and muddies the waters about her. Um, yeah, about her uh, tactics.
0: Right. So this other thing, too, about her being a a pocket asset, what that means in the show is that there's no record of her. Um, yeah, uh, she's she's not in the files. Um, Everything is another thing he
1: revealed to her. He goes, when you asked me who my handler was, that tells me you don't have a hard, hard folder on me. Right.
0: Yeah, from the get go, she's, uh, you know, just every other thing that comes out of his mouth. She's like, that's a mistake. That's a mistake. You just screwed up there. (laughs) No, I don't know for sure. I, you know, I work for the CIA. And if I did, I wouldn't tell you. Um, But (laughs) I'd have to kill you. I don't like the idea of this, uh, this, this pocket asset kind of thing. Uh, I, I actually believe the CIA keeps records of everything, uh, somewhere. Um, we saw that in the report, didn't we? But she knows stuff and she knows names that, uh, she shouldn't know if she doesn't exist in the system. Um, he finds that one of the things she referenced or that, uh, you know, that was in her, her threat. There's, you know, some complicated stuff. He figures it out. You know, PW is a code for Belarus. Butcher is the name of an operation that happened there in 2009. Um, somehow, uh, he figures out that the, uh, the case officer for Butcher was, uh, Dawn. Uh, that's, uh, that's our our her black lady heavy with the evil eyes that just, her eyes just promise murder uh in every conversation i think she's great um and he uh is an operative in yemen you mentioned this this scene uh, a little bit ago um i it was never explained to me how he found don in yemen and i'm going to give minus five points for that um don confirms that max Maladze, that max had connections with high level russian intelligence in belarus and gives him the musical chairs advice um you like like you said uh nyland isn't isn't unhappy that he went there without telling him he's just making sure that it's clear on the record like i did not tell you to go there uh so his hands are clean um Max tells him that she's got CIA documents uh, kept in a storage facility and uh, tells him where to get those. uh, I forget exactly why. Why does she want them? I don't remember. Um, Nyland advises Owen to get FBI coverage to recover the files, and he says, if I heard it right, uh, do you need anyone from the kitchen to help you? The kitchen... Gets used as slang for the CIA in a couple scenes in the series. I've never heard that before. Can't find any uh, validation for it uh, online. But I like it as a term. Um, Owen can't get help. Uh, he can't get through to the FBI. Uh, the only way he's, he's trying to get through to the FBI is by calling their automated phone number. Uh, you would think he would be able to... Um, show up at a local office uh, and get some help. Um, But he goes it alone for some reason that also not explained, some Spanish drug dealers are waiting there watching the storage facility. He doesn't try
1: too hard, though. Once he gets that answering thing, he doesn't... You know, he just... He just gives up quickly
0: and goes goes it alone. I I don't think it makes sense that these guys are watching the storage facility on the day that he shows up. There's no a story justification for that? What if they've just been sitting there for years uh, waiting for someone to show up? If they know the stuff is in there, then they should just go in and get it. Um, Maybe they know that he met her at the prison. They're just following him to see uh, what what he's doing. Because they do have connections with her. They've uh, they've done business with her before. He gets into the storage locker, (laughs) he gets the doc, the bag with the documents they this drug dealers steal the bag from him when they open it turns out it's booby trapped it sprays acid on their faces again great job on the makeup department and the way that in later uh episodes of the show we, we see the scarring left over from the acid um and I don't know if she planned it to go down this way like if how could she how could she have planned this uh If the way she had it set up, Owen was going to open the bag. He was going to be sprayed with acid. That's no good. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. It doesn't seem to serve her purposes at all. I call it minus five points for the story. And then it gets pretty complicated in that Owen realizes that Max is setting him up. And that there's a very compelling interchange of power dynamics between them. Uh, He's fucked if he doesn't help her. And she's fucked if she doesn't help him. So they're just stuck together.
1: This is where the leverage theme comes in that Max keeps schooling him throughout the whole series, right? Leverage.
0: Yeah, and that's totally like the, the, the name of the game of this show in terms of narrative. It's everybody leverage against this person and it equals leverage against this person. Um, could have been the title. Yeah, leverage <laughs> back and, back and around we go. And I thought that's part of what makes the show uh, pretty entertaining, and, and some of it feels pretty realistic. Um, so kind of that's episode episode one. Uh, Owen gets sucked into this uh, job of having to try to get uh, Mac, secure Max's cooperation and silence by getting her out of prison. Um, and she... I guess what she's done is she's tangled it up in a way that, that he has to uh, get her out. He can't um, handle it in any other way. Skipping ahead to mid-season, season five. Now, this is why I picked season, or episode five, episode five. The reason I usually pick the episode right after the middle of a TV season is usually this is when the plot shifts into a new direction. And that's the case here. Uh, episodes one through four, dealt with him getting her out of prison, finding out some other stuff. But in episode five, she is out. And this is uh, also the other major event, other than uh, her getting released from prison, is we find out that Dawn and Max's old handler, a guy named Xander, are working together, and they are either going to put her back in the field or kill her max gets taken back to her house uh and uh got three agents there to uh sit on her basically uh but she has a kick-ass uh secret escape route and uh what i call a boogie bag some people call it a go bag but i love a boogie bag where uh, that's where you've got your uh, little stash of, uh, you've got a gun, you've got a bunch of money, you've got some fake IDs or stuff. You've just got everything you need to do if you just need to get on the lamb right away. Uh, and a really cool underground tunnel that leads her to another house where she's got uh, a car stashed. So uh, that's uh, that's just the sort of thing I just really love to see. And my characters, in, when I, when I play Dungeons and Dragons type games, they're always... I, I just always I have a fetish for it. I am always setting up some kind of elaborate escape route uh, for when the shit goes down, even though it never really happens that way. But I am always looking for for my character to be able to pull one of these scenes off. Now, supposedly Owen thinks he's out; he he thinks his job's done, right? And and he's happy. He's happy to not be involved uh, with Max Maladze anymore. But the Secret Service gets sent to collect him by someone that we're we call not Bob. Um, not Bob apparently is a, was a CIA legend. Even people in the CIA don't know maybe who he really was or whatever, but like everyone's heard of him. He's kind of a, uh, a, a ghost, a ghost story. Um, but apparently, he, uh, he was just like uh really highly respected and feared. He's now chief of staff for the white house. And, uh, at some point, I don't remember exactly when, but Max had told Owen about Not Bob. He had, she had said that he was her handler or that he was uh, feeding her information of some kind. Now, Not Bob denies this, which I think he would. But in this case, I think the, the fact is he actually doesn't know about Max Maladze. And his chief concern is that someone is claiming to be not Bob and, uh, is, and that that person is in communications with Max knows enough about not Bob, including his internal nickname, uh, to pull off the ruse. And that means some, someone inside Langley. And that means potentially a mole or some other form of traitor. Um, this scene by the way with uh not bob and noah i think really shows off noah Sentinello, uh sorry with owen who's played by noah sentinello i think noah sentinello this is one of his best scenes this guy is a real good comedic actor i think he's got a great future ahead of him good looking too um we get a cool scene where uh Max who's now out of prison she's trying to raise money she's going to talk to her uh uh old drug dealer associates um who have reason to be really mad at her because she you know they got sprayed in the face with acid uh from her documents bag but where she catches up with him is uh in a class where he's taking what is it oh he's taking a, an advanced course on the psychology of aggression yeah it's
1: It's hysterical
0: to me because, you know, it's. I think it's supposed to be
1: an ironic joke that here's this sadistic hitman taking courses on compassion, aggression, and violence, and how much of it's innate, you know, as if he's just, you know, intrinsically wants to know this, but it's (laughs) to aid him in his trade in a practical way. So I said, talk about ironic detachment.
0: Yeah, he says, you you know. Yeah, in my in my line of work, I deal with a lot of narcissists, narcissists right. and psychopaths.
1: So normally, we when we study, you know, all of us in Psych 101, we study these things for their intrinsic mm-hmm. value. And oh, gee, you know, and isn't that neat? And nature nurture, and what makes us, you know, the way we are. But this guy's actually, you know, kind of learning it for his trade,
0: which is hilarious. Max needs help dealing with the drug dealer guy. Basically, she's got she's got a network of safe houses that she's set up and uh, apparently she's got a system that uh is like a, a trade secret um but she's willing to sell it to the drug cartels so that she has enough money to return to Russia. Um she calls Owen to get his help with it. I think it's kind of lame that she doesn't have anyone else that she can call. Um but I think the show just wants to drag Owen back into the, into the story, right?
1: Well, yeah. And back to the leverage theme
0: again, they both need each other. There's a cool scene in uh, season five, uh, where, where Don calls Owen's attention to, Oh, so now Don is going to be the one that is going to, uh, wants to put Max Maladze back into the field. Uh, she has a cool metaphor that she uses for why, uh, why and how she's going to use Owen in this. In the halls of the CIA offices, there's a a display piece of a single-shot pistol of a type that was dropped to the resistance in World War II.
1: It only had to be good once, because the thought being if you killed a Nazi with it, you could get his better gun. And, of course, the Germans made great guns, the Luger, one of them. And she's brutally honest in this because she uses this metaphor of this gun and compares it to him. And he says, you're the expendable, expendable gun that I'm using to get her. And he's, she's telling him right there that you're expendable. And no matter what, even if you die, um, it's, you're just a means to an end. Right.
0: I've never heard that story, but I love it. No, me either. While they're, while they're handling their business, Max pressures Owen into buying her a very, or staying in a very expensive hotel room. Uh, yeah. Owen can't get the money uh, from the CIA. Instead, he has to call his rich ex-girlfriend and kind of con the money out of her. At first, I didn't like this. I really thought the CIA should be ready to pay for this kind of thing, you know? or that he, Oh, that's right. He said, oh, because he's so new, he hasn't got his, uh, what do you call it? His, um, when you get paid back for work expenses, there's some kind of account you need to set up. He hasn't even had no. to get that set up. Uh, and also it's possible that the CIA in this case just wouldn't want this $1,700 to show up, uh, on your budget. Um, speaking of, and this is, this is where we started with the romance, uh, I don't want to call it a romance. Uh, but Max has romantic uh, inclinations toward Owen. Um, Owen is, in fact, uh, through the show, portrayed as, and you know, I'll take I'll take their word for it. Uh, you know, kind of a piece of man meat. Um, chicks dig him. Uh, what I like about this is it's a departure of the Bond formula, where um, yes, he is very sexy. He's is very attractive to members of the opposite sex. But in this show, it's always like that attractiveness isn't something that works in his favor. It's always something that's like a, you know, creates more problems for him, Mm -hmm. which I think
1: is- Although he used it as leverage with the one gal in the CIA who said she'd share with him if he'd date her,
0: remember? Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, In the hotel room, there's a nice piece of, of what I would call positive spy points. I think it's really good where it uh, uh, takes the opportunity of the chief of staff, who we know is not Bob being on the screen, on the TV screen, uh, in like kind of a panel discussion, like a Fox News panel show or something. And he takes that opportunity to say, okay, real quick, look, one of those people is not Bob. Which one is it? And she doesn't know. Mm-hmm. She does not know. Now, that tells him something really important. Or The the language of the show and the way it's shot shows us that Owen seems to have figured out something really important here, and I still don't know what it is. You got any ideas?
1: Only that she knows the name, but really not who it is. You know, that name has been floating around like Kaiser Soze, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. And uh they just don't have she even she doesn't know who he is. So if if we had any doubts about not Bob uh his denial They call that a legend. They call that a legend, don't they? When they create these nah. characters. We saw that we saw that in the uh, old man. Well, I know at least in France a legend, legend is uh, what they call your your cover, you know, your cover identity.
1: Yeah, but I think it can also be a persona. Okay. Like Kai or Jose, whether there's a person behind it or not. And in the old man, the CIA agent who, you know, who went native there and started to get a great, you know, a real notorious reputation. And we find out it's the younger version of... Uh, of the old man. All right. Um, one other interesting point in episode five, I thought, um, had to do with Owen kind of sizing up his own relationship with Max and how the rest of the CIA are treating her and him. And in that, uh, I thought Owen had a very ballsy answer to Dawn with Nyland present, right? Uh, when she asked him, Why does Max want Owen to come back to Phoenix if there's nothing going on between them, which is kind of accusatory? And he says, very astutely, Maybe because I kept my promise and got her out of prison while all operations did, meaning her, was abandoned her after she risked her life to provide the agency with intel. And then when Dawn says she wants to reinsert Max back into her old life, Owen points out, the leverage Max now has because she knows they need her. So she's testing us to see how far she can push. Pretty astute stuff
0: for a rookie. Yeah. 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 He's got the brains. He's got the brains to do the job. Just not the experience. It's a, it's a fun mix to watch. Um, uh, and then uh, tradecraft notes for episode eight, the final episode of the show um, at this point, uh, okay, so what's happened is she got the money from the drug cartels. She's got enough money to get back to Russia. They're pretending now remember she was a pocket asset before. So to put her out in the field again, now they're doing it uh they're having to pretend she's a new that she's just been recruited. Uh so that it mm-hmm. look good on paper. Again, I don't like the idea of, you know, the the pocket asset. Yeah. Um, you know, this person that is so deeply involved with CIA secrets and there's no record of her, but the show at least commits to its bit, you know, where if they're gonna, uh, put her back in, they have to, they, there's some things that would be easy for them to accomplish if they could just straight out say like, we're r- returning her to the field, but they have to run through some hoops to make it look like this is her first assignment, uh, working with the CIA. Um, in, uh, Shoot, I forget the country, but somewhere in um somewhere in Europe. Uh I think it's Germany. Maybe it's Germany. Essen. Um oh that's right. No, Max couldn't she couldn't get the money. Why does she sell out Xander again? This is Xander is her old her old handler who betrayed her and sold her out for some reasons. So she's got a revenge motive
1: she knows that Xander had an affair with the Russian mobsters wife mm-hmm. and the Russian mobsters um, wants to know who it was and she has she again leverage she she has that in her back pocket so to speak um, to use if she needs it right and what she gets out of this is money and, well she hopes to get yeah she hopes to get that to get her
0: back in into uh into Russia right right because she is going to she's uh out of good graces with the russian mafia but apparently uh if with enough money she can buy her way back in so uh well we and then we find out later oh okay, that right. isn't enough right. either right yeah 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 um so uh the the russian mob guy uh, now finding out that it was Xander who was sleeping with his wife uh gets thrown out a window uh defenestrated as it were uh one of the coolest words in the English language I honestly thought but it's one... but we f- but we find out it's too quickly for it to be that guy
1: right too quickly for it to be that guy I don't know yeah that, Tell me. for xander to be they fi- alex figures out or max figures out they let it go. They want that be, to be the reason for a while, but Max knows that that Xander is killed too quickly for the Russian guy to have done it because he just, when she just gave him the information, really? right, about him, yeah, really? that comes out, and she knows that it couldn't have been him, Right. And we find out later who it really was. Right. The Russian guy on paper, it sounds like it was him because he has a reason to do it. But but the killing of Xander happened too quickly for the Russian guy to have
0: done it when he heard the information. And you say later we find out I didn't I didn't pick up on this. You say later we find out who did it. it. I think it's, you know, who's, you know. Yes. Okay. Okay. What's her, and we don't know what her motive is yet. She's like a, mm-hmm. she's like. No, it
1: goes like, on to the next season. I guess.
0: Uh huh. Yeah. 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 Uh, okay. Of- let alone the other
1: big secret about her too. We find out at the very end, right? About who
0: she is. Yes. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. very, uh, there's a so there's a mystery. There, let's just say there's a mystery lady. We'll we'll get to her in just a minute. Um, I thought it was interesting that Violet ID'd Xander immediately that she, you know, Violet, that's one of Owen's co-workers. I'm not sure that there's a reason for it or a connection, but it was just interesting that uh, when she uh, found out that it was Xander that was thrown out the window, or she, I think she sees him. Yeah, she sees him because they were waiting outside uh, in the van because uh, Nylan sent Violet and Lester to uh, surreptitiously keep an eye on Owen. And uh, she recognizes Xander. Violet recognizes Xander as soon as she sees him in the street. Not sure if that means anything. Um, uh, Lester goes into the hotel to clean up the room, make sure there's nothing there for the police to find that uh, the CIA doesn't want found. I thought that was well done. give Plus five points for that representation. Um, Owen and Max are on the run after Xander's death because uh, it looks really bad for her. Uh, And they're on a train where... uh, uh, as you say, uh, he tries to make a phone call with his cell phone. She throws it out the window. Can I make another defenestration joke here? I know he's a rookie, but how does Owen not know his phone can be used to track him? That's a rule right out of Spy 101, right? Even I know that. <laughs> <laughs> so the CIA is a little flipped out about Xander's death. You know, CIA case officer thrown out a window. Uh, uh, coincidentally, just when Max. Uh, has shown up back in town. Of course, they don't seem to have the records to know that Max has a relationship with Xander. So, I'm not sure how much of it should really stick to her, but the coincidence is, is enough for them to be uh, freaked out. And this is when they get on a conference call with this guy from CENTCOM. Um, the guy from CENTCOM seems to be in the meeting between Nyland and Violet and Lester uh, and Dawn to be in some kind of position of authority over the CIA? Did it seem that way to you in that scene? Yeah. 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 Which uh, just does not make sense to me. Um, Let's say, again, CENTCOM is one of the commands of the Department of Defense, 11 commands, and each of them is assigned to a certain region of the globe centcom is called centcom because it's the center it's basically the middle east europe europecom is called ucom uh i guess north american it would be like nacom or something and i'm not saying that centcom doesn't have any intelligence operations it's just that's not their main focus and furthermore what we're talking about here is operations that are happening in Europe, and especially the idea of inserting Max back into her old position within the Russian mafia, where she had very close ties to a guy who is now, uh, I think, maybe the head of the FSB. Somebody really high in Russian intelligence. Yeah, yeah, um, they want to get close to him. Want, yeah. want her to get close to him. Right. So the that's the double problem with having CENTCOM involved uh, in this part is uh, if you look at the map and the way that the Department of Defense divides the areas of responsibility, Russia falls under UCOM. So even if CENTCOM, even if any of the Department of Defense would be involved in this kind of operation, which I don't think they would be, this is the wrong one.
1: Yeah. How about when this uh, CENTCOM guy tells everybody else to leave except for Lester and Dawn and... uh... He says that if it comes down to losing the opportunity to get Max infiltrated with this Russian guy or cutting our losses and starting over, burn the current players. Understood? So I kept waiting for him to say the old cliche, terminate with extreme prejudice, because okay, right. that's
0: basically what he's saying. Back on the train, Max uses a phone stolen from a sleeping nun to make a phone call. I'll call this tradecraft yeah that's good trade craft this is plus spy points Grab someone else's phone in the phone call that she makes she refers to the name of the op butcher now remember butcher is the operation that she and Don were involved in back in I think it was like 2008 2009 or something uh, questionable spy points on mentioning the name of an operation on the phone but now of course we just mentioned she's making a phone call from a stolen phone. But she's making the phone call to Dawn. Dawn's phone is uh, not stolen. That's her actual phone. Of course, you know, I always hear uh, everyone say that the actual content of conversations on cell you know, when people raise the concern about intelligence agencies monitoring our cell phone calls, the, all of the experts always say, you know what, the content of the calls is not worth anything it's the time yeah it's the
1: matter you made that point you made that point with the old man oh okay how they tracked him though uh uh-huh, yeah. yeah i remember you making that p- i remember you making that point there
0: yeah the who you called when you called and from where that's yeah. that's the real juicy stuff mm-hmm. so maybe we let him off the hook for for we let her off the hook for mentioning the name of that operation but she really just didn't have to you know what you would say in that case you would you would just say belarus you know that thing in mm-hmm. Belarus from 2008 Gino. you can't you can't prove that that means anything in particular Owen takes the opportunity while Max is on the phone to steal oh no 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 to peruse now back when they um were at the bank earlier in a failed attempt to get her money uh money that was supposed to be getting like wired to them or something but there was a screw up with some time zones uh Owen took an opportunity to steal a notebook that was in her safe deposit box and while she's distracted he takes the opportunity to kind of look through it you know they don't really clearly say what is in the notes but uh what we're gonna find out because he's gonna call Ferber that's his stressed out you said uh junkie colleague uh back at the CIA um and apparently some of the notes in the book uh are evidence that uh, Havana syndrome is actually an FSB plot. They did a thing on 60 Minutes about this. And
1: uh, you wrote that it's a cluster of idiopathic symptoms experienced mostly abroad by U.S. government officials and military personnel. The symptoms range in severity from pain and ringing in the ears to cognitive dysfunction and were first reported in 2016 by United States and Canadian embassy staff in Havana, Cuba. And I remember 60 Minutes did a thing on this about a year ago, and I haven't heard anything more about it. So I don't know. And they'd be getting these weird,
0: like headaches mm-hmm. and nausea and- Like outside of embassies and places like that yeah. it would be happening. Yeah. From what I've read, this has all been reviewed very extensively and the CIA and State Department. Uh, have both concluded that it's very unlikely or at least that's the public position mm-hmm. now but the if if someone were to find out that havana syndrome it and they could actually link it to the fsb that would be very very valuable intel so mm-hmm. two things about that um now the guy he's calling ferber he's got you know has been like a little side plot running in the background through the season He's got a problem with a potential scandal that pertains to United States rockets that were sold in some like ill-advised operation. And however it went down, somehow they've found their way into terrorist hands, you know, big deal. Somebody lost some important, you know, somebody let us technology, uh, get into, uh, terrorist hands. Now the the U S military is running an op to, uh, run in and destroy this, uh, the rockets, but which, you know, that kind of solves the problem. But Ferber, his problem with this is that, you know, just if anybody even finds out the rockets got there in the first place, he's still fucked. And Owen's big idea is, uh, okay. You can't stop that from happening, but, and I forget exactly how he phrases it, but something about muddying the waters. Yeah.
1: Throw something on top of it, Uh just to muddy, just to confuse, um, the situation. Um, And I read a pretty good analogy that compared that to the Iran-Contra affair. Mm -hmm. The Iran-Contra affair, most people know, is when Reagan sold missiles to Iran to get the hostages back. Okay, That's all most people remember about it. People forget the second part of it, which was then the CIA took the proceeds – and sent them to the Contras in Nicaragua. So, somebody, I forgot who it was, but I read that when you make something complicated enough, that people only understand half of it, you've arrived, you've won. And that's what he's trying to do. So even though that was true about the Iran Contra, people only remember that first part of it, the Reagan-sold missiles to iran for the hostages yes. people forget because it's too much the second half of it that the proceeds were sent to the contras in the same way he's trying to throw in something else on top of this missile scandal just to muddy the waters to confuse people right yeah which is ingenious and probably a little too much for our rookie to to be telling a hardened guy like the sog but
0: right that's the story yeah yeah the idea is this will i mean nobody will talk about the missiles <laughs> right uh so yeah i give plus five points for that plan and i think it's my that's brilliant that is freaking brilliant it's one of my best tradecraft of, of the film so yeah, yeah so so it's uh just to be clear too the way they've the, the mechanics of how they're doing it he's taking the pictures of the notebook uh, mm-hmm. He's figured out a, a clever way to get him to Ferber in a way that won't be traced. Like, don't email him. That's his first rookie. Instance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What's well, comical like, no, 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 no. Don't email. Yeah, when when, Fer- yeah, when Ferber's
1: trying to instruct that flunky army guy what to do, and then the questions. You know, that's he's so nervously trying to coach him mm-hmm. into you know doing something simple, but then the guy starts thinking overthinking it, overthinking too much. it and He's trying yeah, to tell yeah, him yeah. not to. Yeah. Yeah, it's
0: funny. Um yeah, so uh and then he's going to get the the photos into the hands of the army guy and the army guy is going to pretend to have found them and make sure you pretend to have found them like hidden away, like tucked into a like they're not just don't just say you found them sitting on the desk. That's too obvious. Mm-hmm. Um right. Good stuff. Good mm-hmm. stuff. Uh last note on that though, now and this kind of goes to my kind of problem with max as character in general is um that like we say like if okay we don't i don't believe havana syndrome is actually an FSB thing um I, i don't know for sure but the point is if it was that would be incredibly valuable intel it's weird that max is keeping that to herself That she hasn't told, like, what would her motivation be of not telling the CIA about that or not using that as leverage? How can she use that as leverage somehow? I don't know. know. Well, maybe, you know, that's still in her holster
1: that she hasn't used yet. You know, maybe she's decided not to use it yet. I don't know. Sure.
0: In the car ride over now, they're going to turn themselves in, basically, like, or come in from the cold. Owen and and Max are going to go see Dawn as was previously arranged, even though there's a lot of heat on them because of Xander's death. Uh on the way, Max tells Owen a secret about Don. She tells him that Dawn has been running ghost assets and pocketing the money. By which I mean she's been claiming that she has assets in the field that need funding, but she keeps that money for herself and there is actually no there there are no assets. They don't exist. Max says that she's doing this so that if the agency decides to liquidate her, Dawn will have to kill Owen, too. This makes no goddamn sense to me at all. Is there any way you can save this from being one of the worst tradecrafts of this show? How, if Mm. Dawn, Owen knowing a secret about Dawn doesn't help anything... Unless Don yeah. knows that he knows that, but that's not a disincentive for her to kill Owen, it's, especially with Max falling in love with Owen. Hey, there's that too. Yeah, pretty sure that made my list of uh, worst tradecraft of 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 the story. And it's just one of those. It's just one of those stupid things I do not like in television series. I see it time and time again. Is they milk like a secret between two characters. Gets milked. There's the first you you milk it for a dramatic scene when the character A tells character B a secret about character C, and then at some point, character B will tell you know character C that character A told him that secret. You get another dramatic scene there, and then you get later a dramatic scene where character C confronts character A about the secret. It's just it's very transparent, uh, not great. Uh, TV writing Uh, in a show that I thought overall was excellently written. Uh, This, this stood out as being sloppy and bad Uh, and there's no payoff to it. At least not in this season. Back in DC, not Bob is visiting Nyland where he finds out about Xander's death. He gets, I don't want to say he goes ghost white, but he becomes deadly serious when he finds out that Xander as is dead like something he knows something we've kind of established he doesn't know about max but he knows something about xander right like when he hears that xander was killed he says i need to be kept complete i need to be kept so far away from this so far away like that you can't even see me you have to promise me promise me you will keep me out of this. And no one can even know we had this conversation. No one can even know that I was even here. How long do you think Nylon keeps that? And Nylon says he promises. Yeah, uh, I understand. We are crystal clear on this. How long in, like, running time of the show does it take, do you think, for Nylon to tell <laughs> people <laughs> that, <laughs> that Owen... He tells Owen, like, basically the next time, chance he gets, which kind of goes to the, to the overall theme of the show of, like, you can't trust anyone and, and you know, just promises me nothing. It's the old uh,
1: plausible deniability claim that so many government officials seek and cling to um, hide their knowledge of dirty work from, as I said, Nixon's Watergate to Reagan's Iran-Contra to W's enhanced interrogation methods.
0: Right. And so now we're left to wonder, so we we have been, we, we believe not Bob when he says he doesn't know about Max, but now we know that the, though there's something, he's involved somehow. And that, that makes this whole idea that someone is pretending to be not Bob even juicier. We don't get the payoff for that in this season, but it's one of the juicier pieces uh, that make me uh, hungry to see what happens in season two. Xander's death, like we said, uh, you know, it looks really bad. It's of high concern to everyone, including CENTCOM and uh, various Washington interests. Um, Max, Owen, and Don all kind of know the truth, or they think, like we said, we they think they know the truth. They think Xander was killed because of Max. And that would totally, like, that would tank this operation, right? And they all agree it's in their best uh, interests to keep it quiet. So they all lie and uh, and and tell CENTCOM and Washington that it wasn't connected. Xander's death wasn't connected to this at all. That was just a coincidence. And I'm absolutely sure that chicken will never come back to roost in this show. Like I said, uh, secrets in television shows are every secret uh, characters share is a Chekhov's gun. We we have to admit, this season does is going to leave a lot of hanging chads. There's going to be a lot of stuff that doesn't get explained to us. Here's one of them. Um, Owen's ex-girlfriend, who we haven't talked about a lot, but she's kind of still into him, apparently. She got worried about him flying out to Europe. She flew out there to keep an eye on him, uh, kind of got interrupted from uh, meeting with him because of Xander's uh, murder and the the fallout from that, she decides uh, she's going to stay in Europe and still and and still try to find or help Owen. And she gets a text from an unknown number saying Owen's going to Prague. Absolutely no idea who sent this message. Do you got any theories at all here? Mm-mm. Whoever it no. is. How they know Owen's going to Prague, how they know who Hannah is, what their motivation would be of uh getting her mixed into it, um
1: unless it's our mysterious blonde friend that we meet later
0: yeah i don't i yeah, I don't think i, I but I don't know what that motivation would be still, yeah, that's a weird one that's one I think is like one of my number one things that I'm going to be watching in season two when it comes out is, is to figure out like why that happened. Here's another one to, to wonder about. So the last stage of the op at least, well, this isn't really the last stage, the next stage of the op, the last stage of the operation to get Max reconnected with her high level, uh, Russian intelligence buddy. The next step is to pay off the, Russian mafia right get back into uh the good graces and the guy says to her you know like hey what if you know this just because you brought in all this money doesn't mean people are not going to try to kill you and she says well that's going to be my problem he says what if they paid me to kill you and she said well I'd be dead already and she would that's my problem what happens instead he plays nice pretends that he's taking the money, and they're they're buddies again. And then, like, okay, a few few things about this. While they're doing this, Dawn and her team of commandos are out there to protect Max if anything goes wrong, or even possibly to kill Max if anything goes wrong in a different way. There's a drone. Well, they tell him to stay in the truck. (laughs) They do. Uh, There's a drone that's flying surveillance over the op. And uh, surveillance goes dark just as another hostile team arrives on the field. Um, Their intention is to go in and kill Max. Apparently, she is being double-crossed by the guy that she's giving the money to. So, first thing, it's just weird that uh, United States military surveillance goes dark right at this moment right i don't think i don't yeah but is
1: there is there a connection between the people who attacked and the guy the russian guy she's talking to do you really think that they're in cahoots together or i I thought they were separate
0: no i think they're you know no i think i think they are they're in cahoots i think that was established okay remember and she murders him
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Right. Because she knows that
1: she tells him that, you know, you, you'll you never believe that I wasn't going to
0: kill you. So I'm going to kill you anyway. Oh, right. right. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, So, yeah, weird coincidence on the, the you know, the guy, the, the guy operating the drone says, oh, it's like it looks like a software glitch. Uh, I got to reboot. Now, if it's a software glitch, it's extremely suspicious. It seems mm-hmm. more likely that someone on the inside, and that would be CENTCOM, is sabotaging this mission. And if I find out that this never gets paid off, I would give this massive minus spy points. This coincidence is just too bullshit. Yeah. You can't, they might not even answer it. Can't leave something you can't leave something hanging around for me to chew on like that and, and not yeah. uh pay it off. Uh side note, I've already mentioned this shouldn't be CentCom that's involved in this, but even if it was, uh Centcom is big ba- they say that the drone is being flown out of uh, by a teenager in a bunker underneath the Vegas Strip, which sounds clever, but even if this was supposed to be CENTCOM, CENTCOM is based in Tampa, Florida, not Las Vegas. 5.8. points. Oh. <laughs> um, getting close here. So, yeah, so the, you know, the shit goes sideways, uh, as they say. It is, it is a double cross. Uh, we get a big, uh, you know, run and gun action scene here, which, honestly... Okay, like I said, like Max even spelled it out. She said, if you were going to kill me, I'd be dead already. She's right. They don't have to do this elaborate thing of sending in this like military team. At any point, the guys escorting her in just pull out a gun, put a bullet in her head. It's done. It's easy. <laughs> right? Yeah, but again, I wasn't sure
1: that they were in cahoots. I'm gone. I was thinking that the, the the Russian gal with the blonde was a separate entity from the guy she was talking to at the table. Okay, okay.
0: we're finally gonna get. And to that the would make great it right. That would
1: make it possibly
0: okay. plausible. Um. Yeah. Uh. So it really, my note here. Well, okay. Assuming you are right, then I don't really have anything to stand on here. But if I am right, and it is a double cross from the guy, uh, like mm-hmm. I said, uh, makes no sense. Would have been easier to just put a bullet in her head. Right, it felt, right, right, like, right. I right. am just saying, if that's the case, it just fright it just felt to me like this was just sure. an excuse. Feels like a studio note of, "Hey, you need to have a big action scene at the end of this thing." Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. So now, finally, our blonde friend, I think, is the last thing we got to talk about. This is—I'll set it up for you. Uh, she's she's she showed up a little bit earlier as uh, someone that was trying to chat Owen up at a hotel bar. You know, happy young blonde lady, um, and Owen, after talking to her for a bit, suddenly gets the idea in his head that she's uh trying to set a honey trap for him. And mm-hmm. he, he laughs about this. And she seems to be put off and, and takes off. And at the moment, comedically, we're supposed to think like, oh, Owen, you silly guy. She That was just a normal girl. But she keeps showing up. So she's not a normal girl. And she shows up at the very end. Do you want to tell us about this and speculate? Well...
1: It's not a speculation. We find out who she is, don't we? Yeah. Do you want me to let that cat out of the bag?
0: Yeah, I think if if the audience has gotten this far, I mean, but it, you're you're good to. It's good of you to mention. Okay, yes, massive spoiler, cliffhanger ending. Go for it.
1: She's Max's daughter, and
0: she kills Max. Yep. Yeah. And she, or so we. It appears. Yeah, and and in that raid. Uh, that initial raid to try to kill Max, uh, you know, at the uh, oligarch's uh, establishment, whatever, his estate. Um, She was the one leading the commandos. And there was a really cute scene, though, where uh, she and Owen uh, recognize each other. You know, they're both like taking cover behind cars and he like he's like hey it's you and he waves and she like smiles and waves back and then immediately starts locking and loading and shooting at her yeah that is funny very funny very funny um that's the that's the show that's our tradecraft notes of the show let's debrief this thing agents please report for debriefing on this operation the director will see you now I liked it as
1: a, as a fun adventure series not to be taken too seriously. Um, however, having said that, we keep running into incongruous examples of our hero making clumsy rookie mistakes from revealing too much of himself and what he knows about her to Max, which gives her leverage, not realizing his phone can be traced and placing an, and placing an agent's name on the same piece of paper as a pseudonym. And then we pivot. To the brilliant advice he gives to the SOG operator to murky the waters about the missile scandal, right? Um, And then uh, so many other brilliant things that he does and is expected to do. Um, And that was the hardest part. They keep giving him these very difficult assignments. And he kind of learns on his own um, as he's going along. Um, but, and then the assessment of max and how she's using the leverage over all of them to see how far she can push pretty heady analysis for what behind the ears rookie who doesn't know his phone can be traced to keep an agent's name and their pseudonym separate. So it was fun, but I kept running into those incongruities mm-hmm. in it. Yeah. Um, 4.0.
0: All right. All right. I'm just a little bit higher. I'm, no, actually, you know what? Now that you say it, now that I hear you, I was going to say 4.5, but I think I was just, I was just really feeling it at, in the moment. This is probably more like a four, actually, uh, although it's, it's very satisfying. Um, I'm pretty hot on the series. I am on record saying Slow Horses is the only true, com- truly comedic spy story that I've ever seen. I can't stop laughing, and I haven't seen it. I'm just reading the
1: book. It's hysterical. <laughs> it's hysterical the way he runs down his
0: minions. I can't wait to get more of that. Um, I think this one is in the box. This one, it's not as funny as Slow Horses, but it's it's kind of they're 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 figuring out how to tell actually smart, funny spy comedies, uh, mm-hmm. and not just like super like slapstick stuff like uh, Get Smart. Or uh, spies like us, which is god awful, by the way. Um, never should never should have named my podcast after one. Of the, <laughs> never should have named my podcast after one of the worst spy movies <laughs> that I've ever fucking seen. Um, I think Noah Centine- Centineo is actually fucking amazing as a comedic actor. Uh, I look forward to seeing him in anything else he does. Um, the show demands a lot from him, and he pulls it off. Uh, you know, in terms of like pathos and comedy and drama and stuff. Uh, and the show is a really kind of weird mix of like straight men and comedic performances. You know what I mean? Like the Abbott and Costello thing. And we're like Noah is like the comedic guy. There's a lot of characters like his boss. Nealand, not funny at all. Total straight man. Don, mm-hmm. straight man. Um almost all the characters are straight men, except maybe for his uh the biggest one would be his um uh colleague, his junkie colleague Ferber. Yeah, the SOG guy. Right. That's yeah. another comedic guy. So it's a different mix of like comic bits and straight men, but overall I think just everyone is on the same page with the tone of the show and every actor understands that their assignment is to make Owen come off as funny as possible. And I think they succeed. So uh, I'll I'll meet you at a four. I'll meet you at a four. Very much looking forward to season two. So that's just how much we like the show. What we like to do is try to keep a separate rating. This is our park bench rating. And this is about how accurate... A portrayal of intelligence operations uh we think this is obviously this is a comedy it's not going to score all that high um before we get there let's talk about uh our best and worst tradecraft as uh, kind of a, a way to lead up to remind us why we're going to give this the park bench rating that we are uh i'm going to go first on this one okay um number three no, actually, I got to make the change. I got to make the change. Let's see. G-g-g-g-g-g. Oh, and you made the point of the thing. Okay, I'll just make it. I'll make it this way. I'll change my my number three is Havana syndrome. I don't think it's actually real. Um, or at least not connected to the FSP. Something might be going on, but I don't think it's a Russian plot. Um Number two, easy, CENTCOM. What are you doing in this TV series? There's so many reasons that you're not the right agency and you're not doing the things that CENTCOM would be doing. Uh, my number one worst is Max telling Owen the secret about Don running Ghost Assets. The reason she gives for doing this makes no goddamn sense at all. Number one worst, Tradecraft, minus five points. Fred, you're worst. Well, his rookie
1: mistakes, everything he naively reveals to Max during their discussion, from asking who her handler was, revealing to her that they had no hard file on her, which means you have no idea what I know and what I can burn, to using the pronoun her when talking to her about who pulled his nail out, to giving her his real name so she could go into social media and find out all about him. And come to think of it, Why would he even be on social media if he was in the CIA? And why wouldn't the CIA catch that in his vetting process and make him remove it? Minus feasibility
0: points. (laughs) Right? Right? Yeah.
1: Um, Number two, when Owen writes an officer's name and their pseudonym on the same piece of paper, which is also a violation of SPY 101 that Nyland berates him for, more minus SPY points. And the worst tradecraft number one, when Owen tries to switch his phone back to call Hannah, Max throws it out the window because it can be traced. How does Max not know this basic trade craft on SPY one oh one that his phone can be tracked can you be used to track him, as Todd would say, minus spy points.
0: <laughs> right. Now real quick too, uh the fact of Max being a pocket asset, and especially like you said, the principal sin of the show even though it's used in a clever way and it's the it's the premise of the show is the fact owen gets put into all these situations that he's not qualified for i just kind of couldn't put that on my list because the show is so based on that but that and her her total lack of any documentation at cia really are kind of like the, the real worst things but they're so they're so fundamental to the way the show needs to operate um, there's some good tradecraft in this show as well. uh the idea of planting the Havana syndrome Intel as being fact, quote unquote found during the military op that's really good. That's really good. uh number two best this idea of someone pretending to be not Bob that's the double that's the cool double-edged sword of like if you're so if you're if you have this like you say a legend where your real identity is so completely obscured, that opens the door for someone that does know about you to pretend to be you and be able to pull it off. That's kind of scary as fuck. That's another thing. There's a lot of stuff I'm really looking forward to finding out how it pays off in season two. Um, And my number one best is uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff they do that seems very accurate, about the way they handle code names and the way there's a person's name, and there's an the internal code name and their external code name and their cover and the way these are all linked uh, it, it gets used a lot in the show in some interesting ways, like when someone knows one of those pieces of information but not another, it tells you something about what might be going on with them. I liked it a lot. What did you like Treecraft wise? All right, number three, Max and Owen steal a
1: nun's phone on a bus to call Don and Janice. Number two, Don's use of Max and Owen as simply a conduit to the new head of Russian intelligence and how they're both the expendable gun I'm using to get her. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And finally, number one, Owen's brilliant but unrealistic advice due to his rookie status to help Janice solve the missile scandal problem. To use the photos from the notebook he stole from max's safe deposit box this brilliant advice were asked to believe from the same rookie who didn't realize his phone could be tapped let alone placed an agent's name and their pseudonym on the same piece of paper Ray, Ray, Ray. minus fe- feasibility points for that but it was still brilliant
0: tradecraft no matter who thought of it yeah it's one of the highlights of the show as far as tradecraft goes um park benches now one to five this has nothing to do with how much we like the show it's just how realistic we think it is. Five being a high score, one being a low. Uh, I think in my initial notes, I kind of gave this show a little too much credit. I think I was up at like a two point five. Uh, it's definitely under the fold, right? Three being if three is the baseline, this is this is below that. It's mm-hmm. got some very fundamental, basic flaws in the characters of Owen and Max, but layered on top of that, I think is a lot of really good, accurate stuff for, for, for being a comedy. Mm-hmm. So I'm at it too. Okay. Alright. I'll go along with it. It's so much so, it's so much so that if it wasn't for those two super basic flaws, kinda elephants in the room, I think this could have been a 3.5. I think this show gets the details right. It's just the core premise is what drags it down to a two.
1: Well, the irony, too, is how you said this guy was a real CIA agent. So you would think some of those, there would be more accurate because of that, unless he didn't have as much say in it as, say, the
0: directors or others. And he's just a co-creator and executive producer. Something about this makes me think that this is actually uh, someone else's story, but they got Uh this guy that was in the CIA to provide the, uh, some,
1: yeah, some authenticity or premises right. or whatever. Right. Yeah. 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 But yeah. But then they used to write a lot of dramatic license, um,
0: you know, that he may not have agreed with yeah. or whatever. I think right? if Adam, if this was Adam, Soralski's show, it would have been a show about a Jew being discriminated against by the white guys at the CIA, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah. A recruit. I recommend it. Go watch it. If you haven't already, uh, sorry for spoiling yep. it if you have it already. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we'll catch you later. Thank you, Fred. Yep. Good night.
1: Protocol 9
0: initiated. This podcast will self-destruct in 20 seconds. The preceding transmission sampled the songs Ice Cold by Audio Nautics, Enter the Party by Kevin MacLeod, and Sound Effects from Freesound.org. Attributions and links are found at spieslikeus.net. Editing by Todd Hostetler.